Man, y'all doing so good. Junior, you good? Everybody good? Nobody's got COVID? Nobody's got a stomach bug? I'm writing this week down. Y'all have had a, about a rough four months, man. Well, see, you ought, you ought to be praising God. You may do a lap before the night's over. I do want to ask you to pray for Camp Truth down here. We got all the kids down there that went to water with us today. They'll be there all week, day and night. I don't know if I'll actually pray for the kids or pray for the leaders. Pray for both, maybe the leaders most, I don't know. Um, but but certainly glad to be able to do Camp Truth. And again, having a really good time. Stopped by Sim yesterday, didn't get to see too much. But um, let's pray and we'll take a look at this evening's lesson. God, thank you so much, Lord, for being so good. God, I thank you, Father, that we can even pray. I thank you that your, your word even says that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace. We might obtain mercy. We obtain grace that, that we can even talk to you. God is amazing. I just want to tell you thank you. Father, the fact that you listen, the fact that, that you hear and answer prayers. And God, I know you don't always answer prayers our way. God, things go away. We don't want them to go. Things go different than we'd like. We'd like to see people healed and things changed and prodigals come home. There's a lot of things we like to see different, but your word told us that your way is not our way, that your way is higher, that your thoughts are higher, and that everything you do is higher and better, and we, we know that, God. And well, I just want to tell you, thank you for being so good. Thank you for this precious book, God. Thank you for a love letter handwritten to us. Lord, I pray you take it tonight. I ask you to speak to us. Would you teach us something? If we just look into it, God, would you challenge us, encourage us, give us a nugget? Help us, God, to be pleasing to you, Lord. Most of all, we, we pray that you be pleased with everything we do in this place. We love you, God. You've been good to us. We just want to tell you thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in, in the Bible study last, I know last week we had two or three challenges. I told you I always look for stuff as how does this apply to me? I mean, it's written 2,000 years ago, but it was written for me today. And so every time I look, every time I study, I'm always looking for how does this apply to me? And then last week I saw several things. There's some here. Um, as we go through, we left off uh, last week. God had, had sent an angel to a man named Cornelius there at Caesarea. He told him to send some men down to Joppa to get one named Peter, sure named Simon. Said he's at Simon the Tanner's house. You go down and get him, bring him up here. He'll tell you what to do. In the meantime, God sends an angel down to Joppa. And he says, hey, there's some men coming to see. If y'all remember, we looked at the story last week about the sheet. Remember, God let it down with all the different animals on it. And he said, arise, kill and eat. And Peter, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything unclean. He says, what I've called clean, call thou not unclean. He's teaching Peter something. We'll see as we go on in to the Bible study tonight. But, but the vision is obviously a picture of the New Testament church. God is showing Peter something about the New Testament church. You put it all in one basket, shake it up, mix it up, you wash it in the blood of Jesus, it all comes out the same. Amen? Doesn't matter how it is. He says, don't call any of it unclean. Don't call any of it separate. It is a picture of the New Testament church cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse number 20, the angel of the Lord tells Peter, he says, the men are here. They're coming to get you. Go on downstairs. Don't hesitate. Just go with them. So, so in verse number 20, we'll pick up and read just a few verses and go back and look at it. It says, Arise, therefore, this is the angel talking to Peter, get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from, from Cornelius, said, Behold, I'm he who you seek. What is the cause wherefore you're come? 
They said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one that feareth God and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into this house and to hear the words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them. And on the morrow, Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So we see that Peter took some other Christians with him, some men probably there from the local church at Joppa. It says, the morrow after they entered into Caesarea, Cornelius waited for them and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter took him up saying, stand up. I myself also am a man. As he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. And he said unto them, you know how that is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come into one of another nation? But God hath showed me that I should not call any man, un, uh, any man common or unclean. Therefore came I unto you without gainsaying, as soon as I was sent for, I asked therefore for what intent you have sent for me. Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting unto this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing, and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are had in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose sure name is Peter. He lies in the house of one Simon, a tanner by the sea, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I, I sent to thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Now therefore we're all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. And Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Now, if you remember, I told you two weeks ago, we looked at it a little bit more in detail last week. This whole thing is not about Cornelius. This whole story is about the apostle Peter. If this had been about Cornelius, he would have just sent Philip, who lived right up the road in Caesarea, who's already done a work in Samaria, who's already preached um, there on the road to the south, going towards Gaza, preached to the Ethiopian, led him to the Lord, baptized him in the name of Jesus Christ. If this had been about Cornelius, he would have sent Philip or somebody, somebody closer by. This is about Peter. Peter's the one we see learning lessons here. And it's important to me, I, I don't want to belabor too much since we looked at it a couple weeks ago, but it's important to me to understand that God would go to this level, to this length, to try to do something to help Peter Teach Peter. Change Peter. Peter is the one who has raised the dead. Peter is the one who has told the lame to get up and walk in the name of Jesus. Peter is the one who performs miracles, is full of faith, and it has the power of the Holy Ghost on him. But yet right here we find God having to work to change him. We will never arrive. We will never get to the point where God doesn't need to keep working on me where God doesn't need to keep changing me. And a lot of the storms, a lot of the trials, a lot of the struggles, a lot of the problems, a lot of the people in the hospital, a lot of the battles that we face, a lot of problems at work, a lot of knuckleheads that can't drive and ruffling your feathers, a lot of the things that we go for are put in place because God's still working on us. And God's trying to do some things, teach us some things. And that's what this whole story was about. And we'll see tonight how Peter learned some stuff. Even there, Peter opened his mouth and said, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. 24 hours, 36 hours ago maybe, Peter doesn't say that. You go back before, before the 30-mile trip 
from Joppa up to Caesarea. You go back to before the men came at lunchtime, the day before, when Peter is gone on the roof and he's waiting for lunch, right before the vision, you go back 36 hours, Peter don't say that. So he learned an incredible lesson right before God sent him down to this Gentile soldier's house. So, so they come get Peter. Peter goes down, he meets with them. They're at Simon the Tanner's house, and obviously it's late in the day, so he brings them in. They probably would have had dinner there. It says he lodged them. That, that most likely means that he gave them dinner. They stayed there the night. I'm pretty sure they probably talked about some things that night. It was probably, I, I would expect it to have been a little, a little bit weird. To, to have them come in. You don't know each other, don't really know why they, you know what I mean? I mean, this ain't like just old buddies talking about hunting and fishing, so they, there's probably just some little minor talk about different things going on and why they're here, but, but they take the trip. They go back up. Peter took some brethren with him. We just saw that there in the text. He cares. One of the things that Peter has learned, and it is important to have every word established. The Scripture talks about that. If you have to go talk to somebody, carry somebody with you, that where every word be established. Peter has learned it's important to have a witness with him that words be established. But here he's about to set out on a journey with some Gentile men to go see a, a Roman soldier of the Italian band hang out with some Gentiles. And as we'll see in a minute, in a very Gentile city, he says, I need some Christian men to go with me. I'm going to need every word established. I'm going to need some men to back up my report, especially when I come back to Jerusalem, especially when I come back around all the Jews, and they're talking about, what were you doing hanging out with the Gentiles? What were you doing there? He says, I need some men. So it says that he carried some men there with him. And on the morrow, verse 24, after they entered into Caesarea, and I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking Peter going to Caesarea is kind of like, I don't know, may, maybe old South Alabama, South Georgia. Hey, South Georgia, Tifton, Georgia. Is that South Georgia? I, I, man, man, Mark and I just, we, we went to college together. And on the same year, same school. We just found that out, though. We didn't know about it. That's crazy, isn't it? Somebody from maybe South Georgia, kind of like they ain't never been anywhere. I just... I kind of see Peter showing up in Caesarea as kind of like a, an old farm boy from the south. Ain't ever been nowhere showing up in Las Vegas. I mean, Caesarea is, is a Roman port, major city. I mean, there's palaces there. This place is built up. When you come into there, it'd be the equivalent like they had shopping malls. They, 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 had, they, they had casinos. Big restaurants, lots of flashing lights. That would have been the day. Caesarea is, is the place. It is a big Roman-focused Roman city that has been built up. So when he comes into there, you got to kind of wonder what in the world. I mean, that's a long way from a little Galilean fishing town, right? So, so he comes into the town, and, and in verse 24, he goes on and tells us that Cornelius has, has been busy. He's been gathering up his friends and gathering up his family. That tells me that he's anxiously awaiting. I mean, an angel has told him there's a man named Peter. Send down there and get him. So he's probably thinking this Peter's pretty important since heaven told him about him, right? And he's gathered up all his friends, and Cornelius waited for them, and he called together his kinsmen and near friends. So 
Cornelius is excited about this man who is called by name by an angel from heaven. But here's what Cornelius doesn't understand. Here's what you and I need to understand. The same angel, the same God, the same heaven knew Cornelius' name the same way he knew Peter's name. Because while he's over here talking to Cornelius about Peter, if you remember, he called Cornelius by name when he came, did he not? So, so Cornelius is gathering up all these friends, and I'm sure he's excited about it. But the same thing is true with your name. Your name stands out among the angels. Your name is something special to God. Everybody in heaven knows your name. And I just all make somebody excited. Verse number 25, Peter's coming in. Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Boy, that would have made a pretty awkward situation. You got to think about these two men. One of them is a Roman officer. He's of the Italian band, but he's over 100 Roman soldiers. There would have been 600 in a garrison divided into 100. He is over 100 Roman soldiers. When he speaks, people jump. When, when he gives a command, things start getting moved. He don't bow down to nobody but Caesar. See, Caesar is the only man to have any authority, and, and he bows down in front of Peter. Probably pretty awkward to Peter because Peter's a Jew, and a Jew don't bow down to nobody, especially Caesar. They said, we serve God, and who you bow down, who you worship, that's who you love. We don't bow before Caesar or anybody else. So I'm figuring that's probably a little embarrassing to Peter, wouldn't you think? I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating. That's Yanceyology. You wad that stuff up, throw it in the trash. I'm just kind of thinking of the story. It seemed like it'd be maybe a little embarrassing. And Peter's like, no, no, dude, get up. I mean, don't, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just like you. I don't know what that angel told you, but you don't know what I did this morning. Anybody know what I'm talking about? People, if anybody ever thinks highly of you, they don't know very much about you. They, they know what we allow them to see. So, so he tells the man, he says, he says no, 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 get, get up. And Peter took him by the hand and said, I, I myself also am a, I'm, I'm, I'm a man. I'm, I'm nothing special. I'm, I'm just like you. I've just come here because God told me to come here, and you're the one that prayed. I'm, I'm thinking Peter, Peter might be wondering, man, this man prayed. And his, his servants have already told me that he prayed and an angel came and talked to him and, and he sent servants to get me. So Peter's probably thinking, this dude's got some hookups too, right? I don't know, just guessing. So they come into the house. There, there, there's people, people everywhere. I would expect there's all kind of emotions. There's probably some people full of joy because one of the apostles is there. Probably some excitement. There's one other some excitement because Cornelius is excited but, but there's probably some skepticism. There, there's probably maybe some little snickering. I mean, he is a Jew, and they are a Gentile, and, you know, everybody ain't just all about being all warm and fuzzy and getting along. So I'm sure there's, there's probably maybe even some curiosity about what he's going to say, why is he here. But in verse number 27, as he talked with them, he went in and found many that were come together. He said to them, you know how that is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company. He says, you know I ain't supposed to be here, right? I'm a Jew and you ain't. You, you know how it's unlawful for the Jew for me to even be here or, or to come to one of another nation but God. My favorite two words in all the Bible. It don't matter what's going on in your life. 
but God changes everything. Man, I, they, the, Charlie, Charlie flatlined on a table three times, but God. They, they carried Aubrey up there, and he got some infections, some fever, and a lot going on, but God. I'm, I'm just telling you, you take but God, it doesn't matter what the equation is, those two words are game changers. And he says right here, I'm not supposed to be here according to the law, but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. He said, God taught me something. God taught me it's okay to be here. Therefore, I came unto you without gainsaying. As soon as I was sent for, I asked, therefore, for what intent, have you sent for me? Peter, Peter goes ahead and he puts all of the unrest to rest. He says, I know I'm not supposed to be here, and you know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be hanging out with you. You're not supposed to be hanging out with me. Let me tell you what God said. Wad all that up and throw it in the trash. That's yesterday's news. That, that, that's Old Testament stuff. We are now living in the dispensation period of grace. We have come under the age of mercy, and Jesus Christ has come in and changed everything. And what I learned is you can throw all that away. So he puts all that to rest so everybody can kind of calm down now and realize that we got some Jews and some Gentiles in the same house under the same roof, and everything is okay they know that the Jews don't like the Gentiles and the Gentiles don't like the Jews because of it. Peter says, it's all okay. God showed me that things have changed, that through the blood of Jesus Christ, we are all one. Everybody comes together. Now, Peter says, God sent me here and God showed me one thing. He showed me that what he calls clean, I'm not to call unclean. And then God told me that I've told a man to send some men to get you. They come got me. And he said, I, he, God told me to go with them to come to here. And I've done that. But what he didn't tell me is, why am I here? So, Cornelius, why did you send for me? What, you, you, what is this question you want to know? To know, Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house and behold a man stood before me a man in bright clothing notice the descriptions because they all kind of vary this is a man in bright clothing Cornelius our prayers heard thine alms her had a remembrance in the sight of God send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon sure name's Peter lodged in the house one Simon is handed by the sea who when he cometh shall speak unto thee immediately therefore I sent unto thee. He tells Peter, as soon as that happens, I sent right then, and thou hast well done that thou art come. You did good to come. An angel told me to come get you. I'm glad you're here. You did good to come. Immediately, therefore, I sent thee that was well to come. Now we're all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. I imagine that opening statement got Peter's attention. A Roman of the Italian band, Roman soldier says, I was fasting and praying. Peter's probably thinking, what? That, that, that's mine. That, that belongs to the Jew. That, what are you doing? I, I, I don't know. I, just, just knowing what they thought about the Gentiles, the separation, that, that probably would have gotten Peter's attention. Cornelius tells this story. Now, Peter's already heard the story. There ain't no doubt if they were there that night, they lodged together. You remember when we talked about how Cornelius come down and it says that he, he told that story in detail. He made sure that the three men that he sent 
knew the story in detail about the angel and everything there because he thought they might have to convince Peter to come. Remember, we talked about that. But what he didn't know is that the Holy Spirit went ahead of him and prepared it. That was part of our lesson that day, that God does the same thing for you and I. The Holy Spirit goes ahead of you and I. If he gives us something to do, he's going ahead of you and I. He's not going to send us into anything that he hasn't already prepared the soil for. So, so we see that he prepared it there, but we know that he told these three men the story. There's not a doubt in my mind that night that they told the story, what Cornelius told them. They walked for 30 miles from Joppa back up to Caesarea. I'm pretty sure the story got talked about over the 30-mile journey, wouldn't you think? Average foot speed, two mile an hour, it took them a minute to get there. So, so he's probably been talked about it, but here, he hears the story from Cornelius himself. Cornelius tells him exactly what happens. Now, I'm pretty positive that this is a very important passage of Scripture. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain that this, this little window of Scriptures right here is something that God is really getting a point across to us. You've heard it said if God says something once, you ought to listen to it. If God says something twice, you better listen to it, right? So what we have here in this passage of the Scriptures is we hear about when the angel comes and it gives the account of what happened. But then here in this part of the story, you got Cornelius telling the story about what happened again. You've already got about what happened with Peter and what happened on the roof. And it sounds like we're reading a lot of stuff over and over, but we're not. We're, we're reading where the story comes back. Peter tells the story. See, this is the moment in time. This is the point throughout all of history. If you narrow down to a point, this is the point in time where, where, where Jew and Gentile became one. This, this is the point where God uses Peter to emphasize there is no separation between Jew and Gentile. The church is the church. It is the body. It is the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is made up of one, those redeemed of the Lamb of God. If you go through all the Scripture, it took everything that Jesus did. It took all of the cross. It took all of the third-day resurrection. It took everything there, but this is the culmination of all of it that comes down to these stories. This is like the official opening of the door where God makes it clear that the doors of salvation is open to me, a Gentile, to you. Anybody here, you? Was that a hand raise? Oh, I was just fixing your glasses. You got to be careful when I ask questions like that, man. I spot a little movement. So, so we're all Gentiles. We can look back. This is an incredible part of the gospel for you and I. This is the point where God makes it very clear through all this story. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, the apostle Paul said, For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. That's what we have here in our story where God is making it clear that he has made both one, and the middle wall of partition is broken down. It's no longer Jew and Gentile. There is sinner saved by grace, and sinner on their way to hell. That's where everybody lands. Cornelius says it's a man in bright clothing. If you remember when, his, when, his, uh, when they came to Peter, his servants told the story, they, they said that it was an holy angel. Anytime we, we see them in the references in the scriptures, it talks about, this is just a little bit of plugging. This is a little bit of excitement, and then we'll move back to the story. Anytime you hear about angels, you hear about 
two men in white apparel, right? As they stood there, two men in white apparel, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into the heaven, the same Jesus? You, you, hear, you hear about things like he called a man in bright clothing. You, you hear about a, a man that, that appeared in, in clothed in white or like men with Abraham and, and they're clothed in white. We can gather pieces from that because we know that God said that he made man in his own image and in his own likeness. So the angels apparently, obviously, they either take on the form of something that looks like a man, but I don't believe that's it. I believe they look like the form of a man because most any time you hear him talking about it, but it always talks about bright lights, bright clothing, white apparel. See, I, I, I love that because what that tells me is the place where we're going to, there's no darkness. It supports the scripture where it says there's no need of a light for God is the light. It supports the scripture that tells us that there's no sin there. There's no condemnation there. There's nothing filthy there. There's nothing unholy there. And what we see anytime an angel comes is we see a picture of the place that we're going to. A place filled with light, filled with holiness, where there's no more suffering and no more pain. Well, I don't know. I told you it was all free. It's just a little something to get excited about. Verse number 34, it, it says that Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. This is something that Peter learned yesterday. Yesterday. Until yesterday, he thought the Jew was better. Until yesterday, he thought the Jew had a higher status with God because of, of the, the, the promises that God had made, because of all the, 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 the support, all the things that was there, the covenants that had been made with the Jewish people. Until yesterday, Peter thought that because God was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, that God belonged to the Jew. But yesterday, he learned that God don't belong to the Jew. The Jew belongs to God. And so does the Gentile. Peter just learned that yesterday. He learned that, that there's the New Testament church and that God sees everybody as one through the blood of Jesus Christ. So he has this conversation with Cornelius. He's just learned that Cornelius is a, is a man that, that fasts and prays and, and, and God listens and God not only listens but God sends people to talk to them and God speaks to them what Peter sees is that a praying God-fearing Gentile is just as important to God as a praying God-fearing Jew that's what Peter learns right here that, that God is no respecter of persons, that God will listen to one prayer the same as he does another prayer, especially to the prayer of his children. So he says in verse number 36, Peter's going to talk now, and he says, the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ, his Lord of all. That, that word I say, you know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all those things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and Jerusalem, and how the, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day, showed him openly, not to all people, 
but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he which ordained of God be the judge of the quick and dead. Give him all the prophets witness and that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Thank you, Jesus. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Peter seems to assume that these people listening, they've at least heard of Jesus. It'd probably be pretty hard. There's no evidence that Jesus ever went to Caesarea. I'm not saying he did or he didn't, but there is no evidence that you can find in the Scriptures that he ever went to Caesarea. But you can rest assured the people of Caesarea heard of him. I mean, you got somebody 30 miles down the road and 60 miles down the road at Jerusalem. Actually, it wouldn't have been 60 miles down Jerusalem, probably 45, 48 miles down Jerusalem. You got somebody making the lame to walk, the blind to see, calling Lazarus out of the grave. You, you got that going on, Caesarea? Word travels, right? You ain't got to have Facebook for word to travel. People love to talk. That ain't nothing new they did it then. So he, it seems as though he assumes they've at least heard of Jesus. They at least have some knowledge of Jesus. Peter says that the word was originally sent to the Jew. In, in, in the beginning of time, for better than a couple thousand years, when God spoke, he spoke only to the Jew, and he spoke only to the prophet. But Jesus came, and he brought peace to all mankind. He's no respect to a person. He came, he brought salvation. He brought forgiveness. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God translated deity into humanity. He came for us. Jesus came. The veil was rent in twain. The partition was broken between God and man so that we can now go boldly into the throne room of grace. Peter's not there to preach religion. Peter's not here preaching Judaism and all the things that he spent his whole life learning. He's there for one reason. It is to preach Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He says John the Baptist preached him first. He, he makes reference to the things that, that John said. He preached that there's one mightier, one that's coming. Those shoe latches I can't even. John chapter 1, verse 26, John answered saying, I baptize with water. But there standeth one among you whom you know not. He it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoes latch it, I'm not worthy to unloose. These things were done in Bethbar beyond Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, this is when John the Baptist formally introduces Jesus Christ as the Messiah. Another moment in history, another moment in the Scripture. The next day, John sees Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world." This is he of whom I said, After me cometh the man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. I knew him not, but he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore, I am come baptizing with water. John bare record saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said unto me, and upon whom thou shalt see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, the same is he which baptizes with the Holy Ghost. And I saw and bear record that this is the Son of God. Peter said, I was there. P Peter says after that, Jesus went about doing good. God anointed him with the Holy Ghost. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we're, we're witnesses of all those things which he both did in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Romans 10, 17, so faith cometh by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. Peter is authenticating the scripture as an eyewitness. Peter is authenticating what they have heard and says, I am an eyewitness to the life of Jesus Christ. Myself and the others, we were there. We lived with him. We traveled with him. We walked and talked with him. We ate meals with him. We sang songs with him. Remember, even in the upper room, they sang a song. We sang hymns together. We, we had times. We were there when he fed the 5,000 men, plus women and children with two little sardines and five little flatbread so-called biscuits. We were there, and we know it's true because we ate some of it. We were there at Galilee when he went down to the wedding, and they ran out of wine, and he gathered up all the pots, and he turned the water into wine. We were there, and I know it's true because I drank some of the wine. We were there when he made the lame to walk. I saw the man get up. I saw when the four friends let, let the man down through the roof, and Jesus told him to get up. I saw when they brought the lame man before him on the bed, and he had him get up. I was there when the woman was walking down the road carrying to bury her son. He was in the beer, and Jesus stopped the funeral procession, touched the coffin, said, young man, arise, and got him up. I was there when Lazarus come walking out of the tomb, bound in his grave clothes because Jesus looked in and said, Lazarus, come forth. I was there when Jesus was transfigured on the mount, and God himself said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I was there. You may have heard about Jesus. You may have heard about some stories. You may have heard some things and thought they were rumors. You may have heard some things and thought they were fabricated tales, but I was there. I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, and everything that you heard is true. Peter is a witness. Then Peter indicates that the Jews put him to death. Now, they all know the truth, just like we all know the truth. The Jews, if they killed somebody, they did it by stoning. They couldn't put anybody on a tree. Anybody hanged on a tree was cursed. They could not crucify anybody. That was a Roman tradition. Only the Romans could do that. But, but he kind of puts it here blaming the Jew, but kind of slides it in to let them know that everybody's in on this. Verse number 40, he, he gets to one of the most exciting parts of the story. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Peter says, and we were there too. Everybody didn't see him, but a lot of people did. But I can't speak for anybody else, but I can tell you one person that saw him. I can tell you one person that sat down and had a meal with him. See, this is, this is the great divider that sets Christianity apart from all the false religions of the world. All the false religions of the world have something that they call a God. They're made out of stone. It's made out of wood. It's made out of something. Some even claim it to be God, but they have to work their way into heaven. They have to work their way into salvation. They have to do things to earn favor. That is not our God. That is not our Lord. That is not salvation. Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by who? Me. Jesus Christ is the only way, the only thing that sets it apart it is the resurrection. We don't preach religion. We don't preach rules and regulations. I'm not saying everybody don't, but just because it says church out front don't mean it's a church. Just because it's got a sign out front doesn't mean that. If you preach anything other than Jesus Christ and salvation through the blood, you're a cult, not a church. Jesus Christ is it. 
Jesus Christ is the way. There is, there is no other. We, we are examples of that. Peter, Peter is teaching Jesus Christ. What we preach today, we preach Jesus Christ, born of a virgin as the only begotten son of the living God, lived a sinless life, shed his blood on Calvary's cross for remission of sin, that we can be saved, rose on the third day, so that all who come to him through him can have eternal life. That's what we preach. We're, we're, we're witnesses. Verse 41 says it not to all the people. When Jesus came back, he showed himself not to all the people. I'm fishing to have to get done. Not to all the people, but unto the witnesses chosen before God, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. We know for certain that on one occasion, Jesus appeared to more than 500 people. We know on multiple occasions that he hung out with, with the apostles, with the 11 that, that were left there of the disciples. Jesus didn't show himself to everyone, but he showed himself to plenty. Peter said, I was there. I, I had dinner with him on the seashore, jumped out of a boat and swam because I realized it was the master and he done fixed up some fish there on a fireplace. I had a meal. It was the same Jesus, the same one that we loved, the same one that we walked with, the same one that we fellowship with before the cross is the same one that I sat beside the sea there and ate with after the resurrection. He says, it's, it's the same Jesus. You know, there's nothing quite like a credible witness, amen? We always heard a picture's worth a thousand words. A picture's pretty incriminating. A, a picture pretty much shows the truth. But if you don't have a picture, the next best thing you can have is a credible witness. Peter told all of them, that's what I am. I'm a credible witness. Jesus Christ is exactly who you've heard. He is exactly what the scriptures of the Old Testament said that he would be. He is exactly the one that, that came. And I am an eyewitness to all of it. And it says that because they believed that the Holy Spirit fell on them. So that, that's what you and I are today. We are credible witnesses. Anybody in here saved? You are a credible witness. See, we know we know what happened in us. Anybody, anybody here saved? Yeah, you're saved. On, on the day you got saved, did you feel the change? On the day you got saved, did you know something was different? You, you were one way yesterday. You got saved. You may not have fully understood it, but one thing you knew in the days to follow is that something was different. Something inside you wouldn't act the way you used to act. Something inside you helped you clean up your vocabulary. Something inside you helped you change your, your choice of, of consumption of multiple beverages. Something inside you helped clean up the, the way you treated people of the opposite sex. Something inside changed. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anything changed? If it didn't, we need to back up and talk about salvation for a minute. We are credible witnesses. We lived it. We, we know that it's true. I can't explain it, and I can't help you feel it because you won't know it until you've experienced it. It's hard to talk to someone who is lost and try to help them understand what salvation feels like because until you've experienced it, you have no idea what it is. 
You can go to church your whole life and never get it. You, you can never miss. You can sit here, you can do a Bible study, you can read the Bible, you can learn the Bible, you can get a doctorate's degree in theology, you can do whatever you want, but without Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, where all things pass away, behold, all things become new, without that, we have nothing. But when we get that, we are a credible witness. All I can tell you is what happened to me and I can tell you what it takes for it to happen. And his name's Jesus. That, that's all Peter is doing here. His name is Jesus. All he's doing is going to the Gentile. But that is exactly what you and I are supposed to be doing. We are eyewitnesses to a miracle. Anybody in here got a miracle living inside of you? That, that's all we are, man. There's a miracle lives inside of me that a sinner like me, pathetic, lost, filthy, worthless, no good, could be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit of a sovereign, righteous God, and be given a home in heaven. That is a miracle. There is a miracle living inside of us. Our job is just to share our story. What Peter's doing, he said, I was there. All of it's true. Verse number 42 says, He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that he is that which is ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. Well, Lord willing, we'll try to pick up here about verse number 42 next week. Um, I pray the Lord give you something tonight. I pray the Lord give you something. I just I enjoy studying the Scriptures. I enjoy looking to see what it is that, that God's trying to teach us. I really I've never, I've never, and, and I may see it completely different the next time I study through the book of Acts, I've never really seen such a pinpoint on this passage of Scriptures that this is where God literally swung open the door in the Scriptures to the Gentile world and says, pay attention. I'm putting you all in one cloth with the Jews. Everything becomes one. This is the actual point of the Scriptures. It ought to be really exciting to you and I as Gentiles because this is the part well, we get to know we just got invited in. Amen. God, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for this precious book, God. Thank you for your word. Lord, your, your word says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Father, we lack wisdom. I pray you'd give us wisdom. I pray you'd give us understanding. I pray you'd give us, God, encouragement, excitement, enthusiasm. I pray you'd help us to learn this word. I pray you'd teach it to us. And God, most of all, I pray you'd help us to not be hearers but doers. I pray you'd help us not just hear this word, read this word, look at this word, but walk out and live this word. Father, I pray you'd help us that Christ would live in us, Father, that we might be a blessing to somebody. Use us, God, to tell somebody else about Jesus. Lord, not just to tell them with our mouth, but to tell them with the way we live. Help us, God, to live a life pleasing to you that others might see Christ in us. We love you, God. We thank and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.